I'm Dave. I'm William. And this is the Digital Marketing Lab Podcast. So today I'm here with Brian Redding of dpmarketing.services. He is an agency that has clients across the United States. Is that right? Yep. And Canada too. Wow. International. We're global, man. Global. I love it. And so I've just been talking to him for the last couple days um, because we're both in Tulsa at the moment and just picking his brain on marketing, which I don't know if he would call himself this. He is just a marketing genius mind, just the things that come out of this dude's mouth. So I thought to myself, you know, let's get him on the podcast. Thanks, man. So here we are today. So this first conversation is about the customer profile. Customer profile. You just have it down, and and I get it. You're in a niche, so you are very very good with your understanding your customer profile. And and you told me there's a couple of things you need to know about customer profile. One, there's three types or three lenses. Talk to us about those. Yeah. So I'd say for any business, I don't care if you're an agency like like you and I run, or if it's just another sort of shop. Uh, you need to know your customer. It's it's bottom line. You have to know this. The first thing that it's important to know is like a demographic profile. Uh, a lot of people it's kind of start and maybe end here. So if I said, hey, who's your best customer? Who's going to want your product? Or who's going to want your service? A lot of people would instantly jump out and say, everyone, <laughs> right? Like they think everyone's going to want their widget or their service or whatever they do. But that's not true. So demographic is kind of like a basic way to look at facts to help segment out who these people are. Demographics are going to be things that the United States government would know. Uh, are they married? Do they have kids? Do they own their own home? Uh, how much money do they make? Do they live in a suburban center or a rural center? These are just data points to help you understand maybe the geography or the economic reality or the social reality that these people are in. Uh, so it's just, it's just facts, right? There's no opinions at this point. We're just, we want to know just who are they. The, so beyond demographic, the next part is psychographic. Now, this is where a lot of people will land. Like if they make it through demographic, they kind of fall to the psychographic. The, the issue with psychographic is that you're really understanding softer things that are harder to measure. So these are gonna be things like, what, what are you afraid of? What are your family values? What goals do you have for life? Like, what's your political view of the world? These are things that a lot of people kind of narrow themselves down to, and they kind of land here and they stay here. Now, this is better than a psych- or better than just a demographic, because right, demographic sometimes you don't always know what you need to know about your customer. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's insightful, and the psychographic helps create another sort of filter with which to understand your demographic. So, <clears throat> hypothetically, I, I own an agency. My Demographics, I'm B2B, right? So my my customers that I look for, I know their age ranges. I know they're going to be between the age of 30 and 45, right? Those are the facts. I know statistically my best customers are owned by men. Like the companies themselves are male-owned, not women-owned. Uh, and I know that they're going to be in, in large metropolitan areas, right? They're not going to be rural, middle of the country, in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. They're going to be in a town probably with a million or more people. So I know this, that's the demographic. The psychographic's gonna help create another layer of nuance that's helpful, which is gonna be understanding 
how they view the world. So politically, a lot of my guys are Republican. They're going to be gun-owning guys. They value like uh, the ten uh, uh, the Bill of Rights, and you know they're going to watch Fox News. That doesn't mean that I have to watch Fox News. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the more that I understand what's important to them and why they make decisions and how they view the world, the better off I can present myself to them for what we do. But really, all this really does is if we stop there, we're missing the whole point of segmenting the market and understanding your target customer profile. Mm-hmm. And that is understanding what is the pain that these people have and how are you going to solve that pain. In other words, who, who is benefiting from what you do and what you sell? Uh, and how are you providing that benefit for them? That, that segment is really where the money is. And I don't care if you're selling uh, lollipops in gas stations or if you're selling agency services to try to rank on Google, the more you can understand how you're solving somebody's problem, the better you can position yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah, so you're, you're telling us that demographics matter. You gotta know the, the age, income, education, homes, not, not homes. The psychographic part of the population uh, Political leaning, fears, pleasures, magazines they read. Sure, yeah. And then the needs benefit model. You know, where does the product fit in the pain point? Uh, one thing I'm a little uncertain about, though, since you are, you've talked about this multiple times. There's there's two clients that you think about. One is the B two B, your client, and then your client's client. So the client is typically a B two C. They've got customers. And then you are a B2B dealing with businesses. So where, and you're always trying to figure out information about your client and your client's client. So my question is, where are you getting this psychographic information from? You told us demographics, it's a lot easier to find. The pain point, um, need, benefit, that that takes time to figure out. Um, Where do you find the psychographic information from? Yeah, there's, (coughs) psychographic admittedly gets fuzzier. Uh, there are some good good resources available. There's a tool called Tapestry that uh, in most parts of the country, there's a, a like federally funded small business development center around them. And oftentimes they have these tools and they give you insights into their generational worldview and how they make financial decisions and what sort of values they hold. And you can get an idea of like in your county, how many of these type of people are there. And it'll break it down to like, I want to say it's 16 uh, maybe 20, something different sort of sub-segments of these people. Hmm. So you can get an idea of where these are. But really, some of your best sources of, of information for this is the customers you already have. Like, so in our case, we have customers that we love working with. We just, if we had a 100 of those customers, we would be on cloud nine, right? Uh, so the more that I can ask those great customers these sort of questions to understand what pain did they have before they found this? How did it make them feel? What was it that we said or we did or we showed them when they first started interacting with us that made them want to take another step forward? We start getting this idea of what it's like to be in their shoes and we can craft our message to better represent the value that we're creating for the pain that they have, right? We're solving their problem. And so, we're trying to understand that. So really your best customers are one of your best source of information. If you don't have a large pool of those great customers, look at like a tapestry report because there, there's a lot you can learn from it. But 
if you have, if you have, let's say 10% of your book of business, if you have great customers in that 10%, you have enough information to figure out what it makes to scale that 10%. Man. So that's great information. So, um, going back to this customer profile, the needs benefit part of it, you mentioned that product fit, and I don't know if you mentioned it on this podcast, but you, you said these words, product fit. How does our product fit in the pain points? I want you to expound upon product fit. Is it something that's static? You know, a lot of my clients, they have a product and they're not necessarily modifying that product. It wins. They're making, um, you know, they've got huge successful businesses. But from our angle, is it something that's static? Is it always changing? Um, where in the business life cycle are you dealing with product fit is it a moving target what are we talking about yeah so that okay good question there i think there's something to understand before you even get to the product existing and this is still kind of on the customer side of understanding who they are your customers will only make a decision for one of two reasons i don't care what the decision is they could buy a new pair of tennis shoes they could buy a new house and it's really this simple one it's a financial trigger right so these people are going to make money save money uh, it's going to cost them x less or make them y more they are driven by financial triggers so for these sort of people these are going to be coupons rebates promotions incentives these are financial drivers end of story for other types of people though it's going to be an emotional trigger Right? It's going to be things that make them feel softer or safer, make them feel uh, healthier or sexier, make them feel whatever they want. So think about somebody purchasing a firearm. They're not purchasing the firearm because it's on sale. Right? <laughs> they're using an emotional trigger mm -hmm. that they're responding to. Somebody buying a high-end Lexus is not using coupons and rebates and promotions to hop into that luxury vehicle. It, they're stroking the ego and actually so a great example of this I always think about is like Apple Apple and let's throw like Android's uh, pick an Android pick a Samsung or whatever right if you look at Samsung's website or if you walk down to Best Buy and you're looking at the latest Samsung phone whatever it is right now you're gonna see buy one get ones BOGOs discount promotions rebates you're gonna see all these financial incentives Arguably, it's the exact same technology that's in an iPhone. I know there's nuances. I know there's nerds listening to this, and I'm not trying to piss you off. Uh, but let's be honest. It's a, it's a rectangular touchscreen device that you can sometimes make calls from. Yep. Samsung understands that their customers are using a financial trigger. That's why they're using that language. If you take the same technology of whatever the latest iPhone is that Apple puts out, you will see no language about money, no language about cost savings or promotions or BOGOs. Everything will be stroking your ego, that you're better than everyone else because you have the latest iPhone, that all your problems go away because you have the latest iPhone. It is all emotional trigger. You have to understand those two things at their core about your customer. What's the trigger? Once you get that, now we get an idea of like where the product fits in. Okay. Because the product has no place in the conversation until you understand what's that product addressing. I see. Does that make sense? Yep. So now we're in this part where we can say, what's the best product to put into that customer who responds the best way? And again, we're overlaying this on their demographics, their psychographics, and 
just what's the pain and the benefit and the value that they're going to perceive from it. So now all of a sudden this is, you have a pretty good picture of what's beneficial to your customer. The product development, the product fit, it absolutely is directly addressing that pain point. Does that make sense? So here's my question then. With product fit, is this something that we do in the business planning phase? Yes. <laughs> is this something that we do all the time? Yes. All the time. You, you never stop. Never stop. Now, <clears throat> there's different strategies to do this. If you're like pre-revenue or you're launching your business, or you're still in like the first phase of your business, you're still trying to get through the first few years of cash flow. Yeah, you, you need to make sure you do a, a lot of research on whatever your product or service is to make sure that you're meeting a specific need for your target. Hmm. More than just demographic or psychographic, you need to make sure that you're solving a direct pain that they have. That, so that's, that's the baseline. If you're an established company, so uh, let's let's talk about a company like Apple, because again, they're a great example. They've loved them or hate them. They do this really well. Yeah. They have high-end phones for their high-end customers. And they look, dominate the market. They it's, dominate. It's an, an anomaly. And they stroke their ego, right? For $1,400, you can buy an iPhone, top-of-line iPhone, a phone yeah. for yeah. $1,400. Yeah. They also have six, seven, $800 phones that have... They're more budget conscious. They're more stripped out. They're always revising their product mix to reach these different segments of their profiles. So it's not one size fits all. It's not one thing responds to everybody. But by breaking it out and figure out what do they want, what's important, what's the trigger, you can now create new products that kind of fill those gaps that you're looking for. So I feel like I know the answer to this. Um, But the customer profile, if if the product fit and how it fits in the pain points of our clients is a moving target. Is the customer profile a moving target? Yeah, no, yes, no. It's evolving, right? So okay. your, your people change, we're alive, right? We're organisms. We, we change the flavor of, our, uh, of the carpet in our house every few years. So we, we change our opinions and yes, those things happen. Really what you're talking about though is if you want to think about the whole market as like a giant pie, it's just such a cliche analogy, but it's always true. You've got this massive pie of everybody. So right now, what, just under three, 350 million people in the U.S.? You can segment that down to figure out who exactly are your customers. Once you have a product or service that meets a very tiny sliver, now you're talking about not just, not that sliver necessarily changing over time, although they may, you're really talking about adding new products or services to attract other slivers. Mm-hmm. Again, this is where the iPhone example comes out great. Because yeah. you have top-of-the-line iPhones for one sliver. Mm-hmm. You have bottom-of-the-line iPhones for another sliver. You have refurbed iPhones on Facebook Marketplace. for. But if it's a pie, it's a slice. It's a slice of the pie. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I should keep the metaphors consistent. <laughs> so it makes sense. So... Um, Buying preferences will change, pain points will change, perceived lifetime value of the client for the for the producer will change. So it's not necessarily a moving part a target, say like product fit is. It's more like a pie, and certain slices um, may get different emphasis and different marketing dollars and development dollars over time. And there is so over time is another big factor because there is a life cycle to any product or good or service. Hmm. 
That's right. You could talk all day about that. Yeah. I mean, look, we're both in technology world, yeah. right? The, the art of SEO today is different than what it was 15 years ago. Even two years ago. Right. It's just it's it's crazy. a different ballgame. Yeah. So you have... And tomorrow it's going to be different. Tomorrow's going to be different. Yeah. And the next Google algorithm, when they drop it in February, March, and it's or coming. Whatever, it, it will change it again. Yeah. The point is, the only constant is change. Yeah. And so we can't fall in love with one product or one good or one service. We always have to reevaluate the products, the customers, the mix. What's the competitive environment doing? Those things, uh, there's a, a business theorist uh, called Porter. He's got a model called Porter's Five Forces. It's a great, it's a great sort of concept to understand the evolution. That yes, while these things have structure, they have some permanence and rigidity. Mm-hmm. They they're also temporary. Yeah. Right. They might last for one year or six years or sixty years, but at some point, the horse and carriage, which was the epitome of technology, gave way to the automobile. And right now, Tesla's gonna disruptive. Change, right. Yeah, disruptive is so crazy. So it's yeah, it's changing. Time is a factor. Slice the pie. <laughs> so today we talked about customer profile, and I was with Ryan from DP Marketing Services. He runs an agency strictly for HVAC and plumbing clients. And when those clients come to us, I don't even mess with them. I know someone that's better in that niche, is successful in that niche, has taken people from zero to fifty miles an hour, and has seen people go from zero trucks to. Oh gosh, I think our largest guy at this point is about 50 trucks. Yeah, so... Crazy gains. This man is niche specific. If you are out there in this niche, um, I want them to be able to find you. How do they find you? Uh, The best way, just go to our website, dpmarketing.services. Also, this is brand new. I'm fun to say this publicly. We, We now have a book on Amazon. If people want to like, you're an out, author. I didn't even I'm say that. I'm published. My this apology. is crazy. I love it. So just go on Amazon. It's the book is literally called uh, the book on digital marketing for HVAC and plumbing contractors. So just Google it. Once again, this has been the Digital Marketing Lab podcast. If you have any questions for me or need any SEO or web development uh, needs outside of HVAC and plumbing, sure. Noza, it's William at NoZakConsulting.com. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, guys.